0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the November 2021 episode of the Oklahoma Venture Forum podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Golding. I'm here with our main presenter today, but I also have an interview with our pitch presenters that's going to come up after this interview. That is Luke Simpkins and Grant Delosier from Anilabs. Anilabs is a new company, a startup subscription-based software platform for managing NLP projects via AI and machine learning. Uh, the interview is later, but first our Power Lunch presenter, Devin Laney, President and CEO, 36 Degrees North, very often called Tulsa's Base Camp for Entrepreneurs. Happy to have you here today. Thank you. Uh, Introduce yourself and tell us how you came to 36 Degrees North.
1: Yeah, so Devin Laney, I'm not from Oklahoma, as you can probably tell by the accent. Uh, Born in Alabama, spent the last 17 years there building entrepreneurial ecosystems. Um, Before that, worked in a a number of different cities around the country, uh, both in the corporate landscape and in more of the startup sort of entrepreneurial landscape. Uh, In Birmingham, Alabama, which is where I was before, helped co-found and build one of the largest entrepreneurship centers in the country. And then was recruited to come to Oklahoma back in the fall of 2019 to help grow and evolve 36 degrees north.
0: One thing Oklahoma likes to do is recruit people from other college football mechas. So go. from Birmingham, Alabama to Oklahoma, there congratulations for getting on this side of, of that equation. Go. Hey,
1: well, and then, you know, once we're here, now we're going to bring everybody into the SEC. Yeah. So it's all going to be great. Right, you're going to be right
0: back to the people you know from Birmingham, right? That's right. So tell everyone who maybe aren't as familiar with what 36 Degrees North is,
1: how it got started, and what you guys do. Yeah, so 36 Degrees North was really founded back in 2017, public-private partnership The community in Tulsa came together and said, we need a place for entrepreneurs, solo workers, remote workers, freelancers, service providers, resource partners, everyone to come together, to create, share, and and really work together to build an entrepreneurial ecosystem. That has worked very well, been very successful. I came in the fall of 2019 to really sort of advance it and take 36 degrees north to the next level. That means just expanding our programming, our partnerships and our infrastructure to support entrepreneurs at every stage. So you mentioned programming
0: um, uh, infrastructure. I know you have things like coworking and small desk and yeah. incubator, et cetera. So discuss some of, some of the things yeah. that
1: go on at 36 yeah. Degrees North. Great, great question. 36 Degrees North initially was a coworking space which is really based on the individuals, all focused on individual entrepreneurs, solo workers, remote workers, but really not the right infrastructure to build and scale teams yeah, right. as you're raising capital and thinking about that next journey next, and the evolution. The next level, right? That's right. Um, and so one of the first things we did was to really work with the city of Tulsa and various other partners to create a large technology incubator, state-certified incubator. It's 50,000 square feet. We just opened that back in September. Um, we've partnered now with other programs um, from around the state I2E and others to bring in accelerator programs as well that we house physically in that space just so that we can serve entrepreneurs at every stage of the of the growth cycle
0: so much like an entrepreneur, you know, they have the idea, they get the MVP, they get the startup. Right. There's typically a pivot or a lot of adjustments. That's You've right. kind of followed the opportunities or, or followed the potential uh, to expand from, from co-working to uh, now a multi-location That's exactly camp, it.
1: right? That's right. We have three locations now. So we have our original base camp location, which was primarily co-working. Right. Um, In 20, I think it was early 2019, maybe fall 2018, before I got here, they had opened up a Camp 2, which is some co-working, but also has some smaller office space. So really sort of a hybrid. That space is becoming more of an an accelerator space for us. And then we just launched and just opened the incubator space back in September of this year. So long-term, we wanna pull everything together under one roof as a true destination, entrepreneurial support organization that can serve as a real front door for anyone that wants to enter the ecosystem, that wants to be an entrepreneur, thinking about it, wants to support entrepreneurs, we want to serve as that front door, have one centralized location that we can serve all of those people in the community.
0: That makes a lot of sense. Now, Tulsa is a unique market unto itself, obviously yeah. different than coming from Birmingham, but also different from Oklahoma City. What are sure. some things in your, in your short time in the state that you've noticed that are unique to Tulsa and have in common with Oklahoma City and the state as a whole?
1: Well, I'll, I'll start with, I think, the things that, I, that I've noticed that are, are common throughout the state of Oklahoma, and that is I've never seen greater alignment among private sector, public sector, philanthropic community, local government, state government, there's an alignment throughout around understanding that entrepreneurship is economic development and that we have to be intentional about our strategy of resources, incentives, workforce, all those things. That has to be part of the long-term strategy. Other communities I've been to, you you have pieces of that. You have alignment in some areas, but not throughout. And I've seen that throughout the state of Oklahoma, no matter what region of the state, um, from the state government having a state certified incubation program, right. which most states don't have. And there's that just program a lot just of expanded, right? That's right, yeah, sure did. Now it allows the tax credits for up to 10 years, which right. is Right, so five to 10 years, right? So uh, there's alignment here that I've never seen before. Um, there's a core understanding that we cannot simply rely on the, on the economic development model or the industries that have carried us to this point. We need to continue supporting those and fostering those but we also need to foster and develop and curate growth of new businesses diversification right that's exactly right and that's that is unique not every state for, across the board in all sectors has that alignment and Oklahoma does and i think that speaks volumes the thing that has impressed me about tulsa is there is a real sense of pride of community when i first got to tulsa i remember driving around i didn't know my way or i didn't know anything and I kept seeing these flags that I didn't recognize. I was like, well, that's not the Oklahoma flag. It's not the American flag. What is this flag? And I found out it's a Tulsa flag. Uh-huh. And it was created by the citizens um, and and adopted publicly and, and, and as the symbol of the official flag of Tulsa. You see that everywhere. And there is a sense of pride in the city and the community that I've never experienced anywhere I've ever lived. And in fact, Tulsa has some unique programs in order to attract people to Tulsa right right? yeah Tulsa remote's been huge for us they're a partner of ours Um, and we work very closely with them because all the Tulsa remote uh, participants that come to Tulsa move to Tulsa are able to work out of 36 degrees north which is a great partnership for them we work to really uh, immerse them in the community and get them uh, to the point where they understand what it means to be a Tulsan Um, and then we've also seen which is great New companies and startups coming and being developed by those remote workers that have come to Tulsa. Right. Maybe had a job already. They're a remote work- worker. They come to Tulsa. They get immersed in the ecosystem, and they want to go out and take that experience and start their own their own business. So we're seeing that as well too, and it's been a huge
0: benefit. So the, those those ideas and programs now are are starting to, to pay off. Correct. And, I think and I see think so. The dividends we hope they would see.
1: Absolutely, and that's one of the things that we try our best to to capture and to share with everyone is the overall economic impact, because it's hard to understand from a, from a broad perspective if you're talking about individual startups, this company's got four employees, this company has three, this company has seven. That doesn't necessarily raise to the level of awareness that we want, so what we try to do is gather all of that data, aggregate all that data, and report overall economic impact from number of jobs, number of revenues. Uh, dollars raised in capital, gross economic impact on the region. And we try to report that every year to show collectively all of these programs, all of these partnerships that are supporting entrepreneurship, the impact that's having on Tulsa. Prove it with the numbers, right? That's right. Always prove it with the numbers. A lot
0: of great conversation about the things that are working well, are
1: aligned correctly, what's there what's missing what's the next the next missing piece yeah. to to get us to that next level i think it's i think the thing i see more than anything is people say oh well, we've got to have the right talent i agree you have to have the right talent and that problem is being addressed we've got great partnerships at places like Holburton uh, and our local university partners that are training individuals to work in entrepreneurial companies to work in startups to have the technology skills so i think the workforce is a challenge, but it's not one that that we don't have a solution for. There, okay. that's happening. What I see as a more immediate challenge is we don't have yet a successful or an example of a successful entrepreneur who's taken a startup, raised capital, right. grown a team, and then exited. You haven't had your right. unicorn yet. That's right. And 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 I tell people, I, you know, I, sometimes people go, "Oh, we got to have that home run. We got to have that home run." And I say, "Look, let's let's just hit consistent singles and doubles. We'll win the game." Right. Right? And we may hit a home run at some point. But let the focus needs to be on consistent at-bats, making sure that we have their infrastructure, the workforce, the talent, and the capital in place to really support the growth of these companies overall. And if we do that consistently, we'll hit a home run. Right, right. And along the way, we're going to generate a lot of great companies. We're going to create a lot of wealth. We're going to create a lot of economic mobility. Mm-hmm. All those things are going to happen. And economic impact will be the result of all of that long-term, right? But we have to think about it in terms of we need to be able to show that you can start a company here, you can build it, you can raise capital, and you can exit here. We have to have a predicate example Mm -hmm. to show this is how you do it. You don't have to go to the East Coast or the West Coast to do it. You can do it in Oklahoma. Here's an example of that. We haven't had one yet. I think we're going to have one pretty soon, which will be great because then once you've set that predicate sure. and shown that it's possible, yeah, sure. yeah, right? right. It, it creates that, that, that uh, momentum behind other entrepreneurs seeing that, yes, I can do that in Oklahoma.
0: Another example of attitude change is it's Global Economic Week. So mm-hmm. it's global, it's the whole world, but yep. we're focused on what's happening here in Oklahoma. You guys are having events every single day and, and really participating and, and creating
1: those attitudes about entrepreneurism in Oklahoma. We do. And that, you know, I tell you, it's such a great event. I mean, it's a global event, as you mentioned, Global Entrepreneurship Week. Um, it's something that 36 Degrees North really takes the the mantle on every year and tries to just curate as much programming, right. partner with every organization we can to showcase, highlight, and raise awareness for entrepreneurship in our region and our state. There are events every single day. <laughs> I would <laughs> say go to the 36 Degrees North website. Yes. If you miss something, you can see it, recap you can watch it, you can it's hear about it. It's on all the social it. as well it's, too, right? It's everywhere, right. yes. Um, but it's a, it's a great event, and I think it, again, not everyone who, who – we're in this space every day, so we talk about it every day. I right. talk about, about this all the time. I love it. The average person sitting at home, going to work, going to the office with kids, whatever, may not think about, gosh, there's this groundswell of entrepreneurial activity in our state, in our region. We need to highlight that and showcase that. And people need to know and have a sense of pride that, wow, there's this much happening here. Right. These companies are growing here. They're creating – million of economic impact, that's incredible. That's something we should be proud of, and we should highlight and and advocate for that as much as we can, and that's what the week is about. We end every episode, every interview with
0: this simple question. I think you're going to have one of the more insightful (laughs) answers than anyone else.
1: What advice, what's your favorite piece of advice
0: to give Oklahoma entrepreneurs?
1: You know, the best thing I can say is, Uh, 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 One of my mentors told me a long time ago that a strategy and a plan, have a strategy and a plan, Mm -hmm. right? And that, um, this is probably not the best way to say it, but this is how he told it to me. He said, uh, a fool with a strategy and a plan will be more successful every day than a genius with no strategy or no plan. And as an entrepreneur and you're building your business There's a lot of like, let's just try it and see. Is this product going to work? Is this service going to work? But put in the time to really listen, to learn, to do the customer discovery, understand, do market validation, and really go into whatever product or service you're going to build and scale with a plan and a strategy for what's going to drive you to to that next level. And that includes talent, it includes capital, it includes product features, services, all those things. So many times entrepreneurs get some get quick success, and then they just sort of fumble and fade out. Or
0: quick failure.
1: Or quick failure, right? Yeah, or right quick too, failure. too quick to
0: fall off. Either, yes. either
1: way, because they didn't think about no. the longer term, what is the plan here, what's the right. longer term strategy, and having the awareness to know what they don't know and be willing to go out and accept that help and, and, and that feedback from people is super important. So I would say have a strategy, have a plan, and be willing to know what you don't know and go out and find, find the help and, and get the answers.
0: There you go. Fantastic advice from Devin <laughs> right there. Appreciate you very much uh, being on the podcast for presenting to Oklahoma Venture Forum today and looking forward to for the next half of the podcast, the guys from Ana Lab talking about yeah, their startup. Too. That's going to be great to hear. Thanks Thank for you. being here today. Appreciate Thank you very so much for the opportunity. Hello and welcome back to the Oklahoma Venture Forum podcast for November 2021. Today I'm with Grant Delosier and Luke Simpkins from Anolab. They do some very interesting things. I'm going to let them explain because it's a little bit over my technical capabilities. But first, gentlemen, introduce yourself and then tell everyone what Anolab is and what you do. I'm Luke Simpkins, uh, one of the co founders. I'm Grant
2: Delozier, co founder.
3: Uh, Anolab, so, Grant and I started Anolab. Uh, we, we worked with a lot of problems in oil and gas. Uh, we particularly worked with document data in oil and gas. Um, so we came from a position of applying machine learning for document extraction. So we quit our business because we saw, like of a big problem in the industry of businesses we worked with as a part of that. That a lot of them knew AI existed, a lot of them knew ML existed, a lot of them had problems they knew ML could solve. Uh, but none, none of them knew how to leverage it. It's email's really in the early days, uh, similar to personal computing 30, 40 years ago, where it exists, it can solve, add a lot of business value, but nobody, nobody, everybody knows it exists. Nobody knows how to access it. Nobody knows how to bring it in and solve a problem in their business. So we started Analab actually to uh, try to lower the bar for businesses to apply ML to their own problems. Um, like, everybody has Alexa sitting in the living room, everybody has Alexa sitting in their kitchen, um, and you can uh, do what Alexa's been trained to do, but you can't really train Alexa to do anything new. So, in a lab, we're starting with Document AI applying, oh, I'm sorry, Document AI applying ML to extract information from documents, um, and we are building a platform to enable businesses to have real document problems, um, like especially unstructured, unstructured documents that aren't even machine readable. Uh, to build AI models, to automate their business workflows.
0: Which when you talk about documents, documentation, especially organization of documents, that applies to any and all businesses, right? So you have a broad spectrum of potential uh, markets, verticals, et cetera, that you potentially could be operating in.
3: Absolutely. And uh, we came from oil and gas, where documents are a huge problem. Uh, Like oil and gas, Grant is more of the expert on oil and gas title, but we came from oil and gas title, uh, land, uh, mineral rights, mineral deed—highly regulated industries too. Absolutely, right? that was our sweet, like our sweet spot was regulatory data because it produces a lot of information. Uh, and governments, as government, is just not really good at creating good information. True. So the worse the information that is, the better and the more like the bigger the opportunity is for us to produce valuable information because a lot of these there's a lot of valuable data in figuring out who owns
0: what. Uh, and yeah, we made made a took advantage of that opportunity. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. So you've identified the problem. You've identified some 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 tools in order to address that problem. How are you then going to put all of this together in, in a manageable process for a, an end user?
3: I'm going to mind if I pass it off to you. I've been talking a bit. So,
2: um, sure. Yeah, I think, like Luke was saying, a lot of businesses realize there's a lot of opportunity in AI ML, and where they struggle is. I know I don't feel qualified to hire an AI ML team. I don't feel qualified to use the latest and greatest tech and apply it to our business problem. And sort of what we're after at Analab is give people the software tools to get them where they would be in a year with an AI ML team. So just take the steps that our software recommends. You bring in your documents. You highlight things on the documents that you would want a human normally to do. Provide enough examples to our software we build you a machine learning model, and that machine learning model we give you the freedom to deploy it however you want. So you can start automating some business process. Um, so that's kind of how, um, yeah, how our kind of software fits into the concrete business problems that people would have. Is that is that kind of the.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. I think a lot of people in business, whether it's oil and gas or any, any other mm-hmm. spectrum of business, would probably say they, they uh, don't know enough and are probably almost intimidated by, by AI and machine learning, et cetera. So what are you, what's the most common thing that you were hearing, the first thing that you thought you needed to address as far as a, as a pain point to get them over that hump of, no way, there's no way this makes sense for me, but get them into the conversation of maybe this is a tool that gets me there? You had a lot of
3: conversations with the customers, so... Yeah, uh, um, I mean like,
2: it's important to recognize where businesses are right now From the most, for the most part. So, a lot of different businesses where documents are an important medium of information, they're almost 100% manual right now. So, you know, they get thousands of contracts through, maybe through, let's say they already have it in digital form, so they're, one step ahead of the curve. Okay. Some people they right. already have scans and images. Um, people are taking those scans and images, bringing up them, bringing up the images on their computer. Then they have like Excel open in another window or some other form builder, and they're keying in values. So there's a lot of hands on keyboards typing things out. That's where I would say most, the vast majority of businesses that are dealing with documents are right now, and so, I mean. And it's one thing that's important to recognize is in a lot of industries like oil and gas or in title or legal, the people doing that work, they're not, you know, they're qualified subject matter experts. So they're like a lot of money is being paid to these people to, to type out things. So it's a big cost center for a lot of businesses. Um, so um, it's definitely a pain point for these businesses. Where you get started is, you know, you have to understand the particulars of different Document-based tasks, but there's a lot of commonalities across industries. So, like, the first part is, um, you know, maybe you have a bunch of separate images, a bunch of different JPEGs coming in. You need to do what's called collation or stapling into independent documents. So rather than having a human being go through and say, page one through five is a lease, page six through ten is a a lien, page eleven through fourteen is a release. Um, a machine goes through and chunks these things into independent documents. Um, The next step usually is a classification, so page one through five corresponds to this document category. Once you've got a document put into a particular category you can route it towards a certain set of business logic. Um, And then the next step is, okay, within a particular category, what are the pieces of information on that contract or document that you want to pull out and structure? So usually that is names of parties, so like grantor-grantee names, um, who signed the contract, what was their title, um, what was the date on which the contract took place, (laughs) what were the assets described. Um, so And that kind of breaks down into a task called information extraction. Um, So that's kind of a, a common theme that we see talking to people is you have like, document splitting and collation problems, you have document classification problems, and then you have information extraction problems. So you're creating a structured representation of what is fundamentally an unstructured medium. And then once you've got it in the structured realm, like businesses can start to do more advanced like analytics capabilities. Um, this
3: is especially valuable at scale. Like uh, we've worked in the past, not with Analab, but prior, uh, prior position with mineral buyers who care about all the documents and who owns what across the state of Texas. Uh, and so we want to apply it at that scale where there's just paper documents across courthouses in Texas. Uh, and you really want to understand like who owns what across the state. That's where a lot of the value is because uh, you can't really hire uh, thousands of people that are qualified to enter all that. But you can build a model
0: to pump it all through. And you mentioned obviously when you hire people like this they have expertise they have they have a, they have a salary level that that they, so there's a cost associated but there are other benefits too to using AI and machine learning to streamline this process as opposed to just cost right Right well
3: yeah exactly like the like scale like getting information exp- at scale um if you want to apply it across millions and millions of documents uh, and you have no ability to train a, like thousands of experts and especially nowadays where it's really difficult, the job market is really competitive. Uh, so, yeah, applying it at a scale, getting information at scale.
0: So let's talk about the company itself. Uh, where are you in your from from startup to being a mature business growth stage? Uh, even and with your pitch presentation, what kind of, of support are you looking for from the members of Oklahoma Venture Forum? Where are you in the world, and where are you are you hoping to go next? And what's the what's the plan?
3: So we're bootstrapped. We uh, Grant and I own it fifty fifty. We uh, started June first, twenty twenty. So mid pandemic, we both quit. Our, we worked together in our previous position. We quit together. Uh, started building, building a business. We have a launch product, as you saw on our site, analab.ai. AI. Uh, we need to change the site because, as many startup students, as we talked about, we <laughs> pivoted more into the document space. Uh, when,
0: when you're a young company, everything changes yes. rapidly, right?
3: Well, we did find a market. Um, after 12 months of building the product, we went out. We kind of we started presenting to people um, and found, with some tweaks and some like uh, slight changes in our idea of what our market is, we went out. We made a sale, and we're currently working um, in airline title. So we've partnered with a local airline title company. Uh, We are building automation for their title processes.
0: We have a lot of pitch presenters at Elcoma Venture Forum who started in oil and gas. Yeah. And often they 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 find a, a more elegant solution than the traditional solution to something especially in the field uh, adding technology et etc but they often immediately go to that that one degree away, which is let's continue working in oil and gas, mm-hmm. whereas you have an application that obviously can get outside of oil and gas into multiple multiple places What made you decide to not be super specific and stay right in the, in your sweet spot that you knew but in, or, but Chasing uh, the opportunities that you've identified.
3: Well, we definitely wanted to diversify out of the energy sector. Uh, I think when what were the oil prices yeah, at like in 2020?
2: It was the price of oil went negative. Yeah. Hour. Hour. Right, <laughs> not, yeah.
3: not like it yeah. is today, right? Yeah. yeah, I think it was just like six, six to eight weeks before we yeah. quit, and we're like, okay, uh, energy is just is so volatile. Right, um, and we know a lot of people in energy, so we did. We wanted to stay friends with our mentors and CEOs that we'd kind of worked with before. We didn't want to compete with anybody we'd worked with. Um, And we knew the problems existed in
0: so many other industries. In November, you're our pitch presenter, November 10th presentation. What can the members and guests on that day expect from your presentation? Uh, Probably
3: more of what I heard, hopefully some more concrete examples, bringing it home. Um, We have not, since we are bootstrapped um, and we are, we do have revenue. We're not specifically seeking funding, but I think if we found a partner that was interested in what we did, they had a problem in a, like a much broader market, they're like, hey, uh, like a, basically a strategic investment, mm-hmm. uh, we would love to talk to somebody like that. Um, we don't want, we, we at this point, we aren't looking for just money for the sake of money, we're looking for money for the sake of partnership, uh, strategic partnership. That's
0: very smart, actually, very good, and uh, more and more investors, more of the venture capital crowd, are looking to be more of that strategic partner and not simply check writers. Uh, we're seeing that more often, and I think probably of, of all the pitch pres- presentations we do this session, um, most of them aren't necessarily looking for a check writer. They're looking for a strategic partner. So I think that's how business – it's been moving in that direction for a while, but all of the changes that have happened over the last 18 months, I think that definitely is going to, to – be the new opportunity moving forward for folks who have capital or expertise to come into something as exciting as what you guys are doing and actually maybe not only disrupt certain industries, but really make change in the way people are running their business. Absolutely. One last question. We always end on this question on the podcast. What is your advice for Oklahoma entrepreneurs, for anyone trying to create a startup or be an entrepreneur in this space? Uh, what advice do you have for them? What, what The pros, the cons, whatever do you like to talk about when it comes to starting and running a business in Oklahoma? I'll give mine
3: and then I'll, get, I'll let you give yours. Um, I think two things. Uh, first one is be supportive of other entrepreneurs, especially anybody at any stage. It's so hard to be dismissive of the 21, 22-year-old that's coming in and still at the idea stage and he he or she uh, or they may not have the technical expertise to build it yet, but they may have a great idea. Everybody has a nugget of wisdom that you can benefit from. So not to be dismissive of those that are at a different stage in the life cycle, especially at the idea stage. Uh, and then two is we, uh, the Oklahoma entrepreneur community is... It, it feels unlike, because this is my third startup here in Oklahoma, um, and it feels different now than it's ever felt in the past. Mm-hmm. There's money, there's venture capital, um, the community especially is really spurring. There's a lot of exciting people. So attend those events, uh, OK like OKC, Tech++, right. and OVF, um, yeah, attend those, be involved. That makes sense. Good advice.
2: I agree with everything that you said, Luke. Um, maybe I'll say something slightly more controversial. I'm not sure you would agree, but... I would say stay grounded in the local market. Uh, I think when we started out as a, as a uh, when we started our business, like we were kind of trying to do more of the Silicon Valley thing, and maybe that works here in Oklahoma City and Oklahoma market. But um, now that we've connected with actual markets and customers here in Oklahoma, it feels like we're having a lot more success. So don't don't listen too much to the kind of the the material about what works on the West Coast, find something that works here in Oklahoma.
0: I know your audience is a, is a core tenant of any business, right? So I, I think that applies. I would, I would agree with you uh, from my experience, too, that start with what you know, start local, right? And then the, if the opportunities happen to be East Coast, West Coast, or anywhere like that, you can, you can make those adjustments when the time comes, right? Absolutely. And I agree with you. <laughs> Absolutely. Grant, Luke, uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Looking forward to your presentation November 10th at OVF. So make sure that if you are a member that you have RSVP'd. If you are a guest, hit the website, find the information, sign up, hear this pitch presentation. We'll also have a main presenter and all of the networking and all the things that come with OVF. Until next month.